I speak to my business partner quite a bit, Jono, and over the weekend, I've never heard from him so much. I've, me, me, I kind of saw this happening, you know, with the response from people and how, how, how beautiful they were to be able to help us out. Um, but, like, I'm speechless, but Jono, God, I've never seen him so emotional. Like, it's phenomenal. Welcome back to Dirty Linen for another week. Um, it's NADOC week and I would just like to acknowledge that I'm recording this podcast on Bunurang Bunurang country and yeah, I'm really excited to celebrate First Nations culture during the course of the week. Um, our guest today is, however, not First Nations, but he has a fantastic story to tell. Courtney Patterson is one of the owners of Cup of Truth, a really it's just a really unique cafe in Melbourne and something that really speaks to how central coffee culture is to our fair city. Courtney, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I really love your little espresso bar. I just love where it's situated in Melbourne and I love what's been happening to your story recently. Um are you pouring yourself a coffee as well? I actually am. I actually am making a coffee. I have not had one yet. <laughs> so, and I'm actually not working because I have my children today. So it was kind of nice to fit in. But yes, you are correct. I am just about to have a coffee while I talk because it's That's one of the so best things to be brand. doing. On <laughs> brand. Um, Courtney, tell us about Cup of Truth. You know, what is it? Where is it? How long has it been there? You know, what's it? What's the experience like? Yeah, well, I was lucky enough um, for a friend to stumble across the space and um, it's in the Grave Street Campbell Arcade. Um, it was built for the 56 Melbourne Olympics back in the 50s. Um, it was a little hole in the wall. Originally it was a tobacconist ticket booth um, and actually half the size it is now. It sits at 3.3 metres by one metre deep. Um, so it literally is a hole in the wall standing espresso bar. Um, yeah. And- when did it open? So we uh, we acquired the space in um, September of '09. So this is going into my <laughs> God. This makes me sound quite old. Uh, it's into my twelfth year. Uh, what makes someone look at a space like that and think that it's appealing? Because personally, like I love the fact that it's there and that people, you know, take over these little cupboards to create a hospitality experience. But I just can't imagine tying myself to such a small spot personally. I just, how, what is, how, you know, what is it about it that appeals? Um, well, first of all, where it was, which was right next to a train station opening and that, and that was one of the most pivotal exit points, you know, in my first, you know, five or six years of business um, before basically the new Southern Cross station was built. It used to be, you know, um, and Flinders Street was the hub of the area. So um, the space itself, it was a coffee shop before we took it over. Um, the woman who we got it off um, actually was just done. And so I sat in the space for a few days and it was it felt right. Um, I'm six foot four. If you've ever been past the <laughs> shop, I'm a big guy. Um, so to fit in this little shop sometimes felt a little bit um, claustrophobic, but uh, I got used to it real quick and as the customers did. So I know that you're regulars and I, I can't pretend that I'm a regular, I'm not a commuter, but I know that people who who do have built that cafe into their lives, they really, it, it's just a really special part of their day. What is it that you try to offer customers? 
Well, it's definitely changed over the course of years. You know, we've, we've been lucky enough to win a lot of awards for the shop, personally, myself. Um, just, you know, Jono, my business partner, and I have just really have that, you know, we have differences like any business partners or, or, or friends or, or relationships or parents. That, you know, we, we have our differences, but there's one thing that we both agree on, and that's how we want our coffee to be. And because it's just been John and I and we've had some friends help us out throughout, you know, our 12 years, um, we haven't had, you know, 15 baristas working at once. It's just been John and I running the same principles. So the consistency of quality has always been up there. We've been lucky enough to use three different coffee brands with some rotating ones over the course of the 12 years, um, you know, whichever suits our cafe best. So, you know, having those customers come in every day, um, you know, it, it's 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 quite phenomenal. I think we have like an eighty-five to ninety percent return rate. Wow, <laughs> that's amazing! And I mean, just pretend that I'm an alien that's just dropped down from outer space, and where I come from, there is no coffee. Like, what is it? What makes a good coffee? Like, when you say consistency, what is it that you're aiming at? <clears throat> I get asked this quite a lot, and realise how deep my knowledge goes over twelve years of specialty coffee. Um, every coffee can be okay. You know, you know what I, you know what I mean? You could have, you know, a, a, all coffee scored out of a hundred points and we try and use anything above 80, which becomes specialty. Our, our, our coffee brand, small batch coffee roasters have come on board, use high eighties, which is phenomenal. But I've also had coffees from mass. I used to work for Lavazza. I've worked, you know, been, been around Victoria coffee. I used to work for Illy. So I've been through different brands my whole life and career, um, the coffee itself and how we want it to look is one thing, but having the customer service for your people, your coffee can some, well, not me, I won't drink it, but your coffee can be sometimes somewhat moderate to okay. But if you get that personality from your barista, that coffee that's now okay becomes great. We're just lucky we have amazing coffee and the customer service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the, your customers that I spoke to for a little story I recently wrote, and we'll get to the reason for that shortly, he said that he loves getting sassed in the morning. So what's that all about? <laughs> you must be talking about Ash. <laughs> yep. Um, Ash, Ash, believe it or not, he can, he's, Ashley's Canadian. Um, he's been coming in in the cup of truth now. But I will must be nearly 10 years, I would say. Um, so he's moved offices. Um, he still comes. He COVID last year, he popped in on his bike when that 5K radius wasn't allowed. So Ash has been a real good customer of ours. And um, I don't know, I think after, you know, it gets to a point where you realise you can, uh, you know, you can poke a bear <laughs> when you've got regulars. <laughs> but, you know, with the baristas as well, we just have to be ready for, for it to come back over the counter, back at us. And the customers feel that comfortable now where the jokes fly and the sass is there and, um, and everyone feels comfortable. I, I can't tell you that, you know, not only have I made friends and Jono has made friends through the shop, but those customers are now friends. Those guys know, you know, at eight o'clock, you know, Chris is probably going to be there. Ash will be there and John's going to be there, you know. And now Chris talks to John and Ash when they're there. And, and, and this kind of happens now where, oh, how, how, was, how was this, you know. And I'm like, I can't believe you two are talking about, you know, a, a, an, an issue because you talked about this last week or yesterday or the three days in a row. So mm. the customers have become quite attuned as well to each other. And I don't know if that's because it's not a cafe and, you know, everyone's right there at the counter ordering at the same time. 
Yeah. Which is which is how we got the name, you know, like the cup of truth. We have a not so much anymore because FPOS. We only pretty much run FPOS now. Um, you know, we have a cup on the counter, and that's how we got the name Cup of Truth. It was, you know, rather than Jono and I stop making coffee um, to grab your money, you can just do do it all yourself. So if your coffee's four bucks and you've got a five dollar note, you can put the five dollar note there, grab a dollar. You've got the correct change, put it in. So therefore, we really put trust into our customers. And I think, you know, over days, yeah, there's been some foreign coins or, <laughs> you know, some short change. But the people who also leave that dollar in there balances everything out. Um, I think the customers appreciated it, um, that we had that, we had that um, availability of, of trusting them. And, and therefore, their loyalty become, you know, one, one, nothing that I've ever seen in any other shop I've ever worked in. Yeah, it's really amazing. It's um. Yeah, it's such a beautiful community that you've created. Now, obviously, uh, COVID and a commuter cafe are not good friends, but you actually had a big, well, disruption or potential or uncertainty in your business before COVID came along. Can you talk to me about the Metro <coughs> Tunnel project? Um, yeah, I can. I don't really have that much information. A few years back, um, you know, there was there's some proposals that, um, the Met Tunnel had acquired land um, down there. So the space was Melbourne City Council um, all the way up to the gates, um, to which then was actual Metro trains. Metro trains govern the space. Um, so if we ever have a drama, you know, we basically go to Metro and then Metro to the council or whatever. We do have direct contacts. But then with a the tunnel project, they've acquired some of this off Metro tunnel. So it's actually split into three spaces now between, you know, Melbourne Council up one end, Metro tunnel, Metro trains down the other, and then the tunnel project right in the middle. Um, and there was chats about two of the shops being affected by the connection of the tunnel into Flinders Street Station. So the plans are all there. You can, everyone can see them. Um, but, you know, we, we've kind of, it, that's been going on. And obviously with building and delays, we just get pushed back a year. Demolition clause are great for businesses, but also can be, you know, <laughs> absolutely devastating. So we, we actually don't know what's, we're so up in the air. Um, we, have a, we have a review of, um, of what's happening September 1st. Um, but, we, you, know, we, you know, there was chances for us to go. They've just waited till all the leases were up. Um, and then, you know, we're just on month to month um, with no compensation. Wow. So, I mean, what's it felt like to be on a month to month lease? Um, well, you know, b- before COVID, you know, the, the shop was doing fine. I, I, you know, it's been very fruitful you know, for me in my, not only my career, but for my children growing up and Jono and, you know, we've both been able to afford to purchase a house, you know. So the the tunnel, you know, there's always chats, well, they might, there might be some relocation help or finding another site. Can we have the shop back after it's all done? Will our shop actually get affected? What, what What's the go? So, the questions are there with, and you can imagine when all this was kind of started, how many customers were asking us, and not to be able to give anyone a straight answer is quite it's quite frustrating. Well, I guess at least you've had a lot of practice with uncertainty. <laughs> yeah, that's true. This is true. I don't know. We, I just said to Jono, like you know, we were thinking about maybe doing another space. We we're already like looking for another site. 
you know, do we, you know, at this point, you know, he lives a little bit further out. I'm in Port Melbourne. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where both of us have to be okay with it. Um, are we okay? What, where's our direction going for the cup of truth? You know, we talked about maybe roasting our own coffee. We talked about maybe franchising. There's, there's been a lot of stuff thrown around because it, because it's had to be thrown around. Um, where I just want to go in and make coffee for my people. <laughs> um, so Courtney, I'm not sure which end to tackle the next part of the story from. I kind of feel like I want to start with the GoFundMe, and then we can track back to why you needed to set it up. Yeah, no problems. It, like, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, let's just start with that. Um, you ask the questions and I'll give you some insight. All right. Well, tell me why you set up a GoFundMe and tell me what happened when you did. Uh, <laughs> so the GoFundMe, our coffee machine broke straight into COVID. Um, you know, I've uh, I've witnessed a lot of stuff in my, um, you know, in my life, just in my life. You know, kids, houses, cars, bikes. You know, coffee, customers leaving, businesses going, the city shifting. We had another shop in Paran that we, you know, ended up being able to move on. You know, I've seen a lot of stuff, but COVID taking the shop where it was to basically zero people into the CBD was nothing I've ever seen. Like I'd be in that arcade and it would be me. One of my best mates, Ben, um, you know, who, who who used to just come in and just hang out with me, um, and the two station people for eight hours. So wow. there was no – but I also had – I was lucky. I also had the opportunity not to sit at my house. So I wanted to take that opportunity and, and make myself my own coffee in my own shop. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Metro, Metro trains, we have a lot of Metro train drivers who are our customers, and so they are still on full capacity. So I knew there was going to be some people around but, you know, going from, you know, four or 500 coffees to 30 or 40 is pretty heartbreaking. Wow. Um, so we had really no money. The government, both John and I are on the government subsidies, which was great, which really pushed us across the boundary. Um, but, you know, a, a few months in, our, <laughs> our, our, our coffee machine, which was a Lama Zocco Strata, um, basically wouldn't turn on. <laughs> and so um, it's all electric. It's all panels, it's all electric panels, it's all digital. Um, and so we were pretty stuck. So our tech company, Brewtech, Craig and Steve and the boys there are phenomenal. They jumped on board with a loan machine. <clears throat> um, then when we finally got talking to them, because obviously they were going through COVID, there was hardly any shops open. <laughs> you know, you can imagine their business who where they're relying on people to go fix their machines and their shops are closed. So everyone kind of took a hit in that hospitality sector. Um, and when we finally got talking to Craig, the Craig had let me know to have this machine back where it was was $6,000 <clears> or thereof. Yeah, wow. I mean, for people who don't really get why it could be that expensive, like a Mazzocco, Lamazoko, it's sort of like a, a car, like a, like a sports car, isn't it? It's yeah, like- all, all machines have their own principles and the machines can range, you know, in prices, but you know, when you're in the coffee industry, like John and I've been for so long, we want the best of the best to be able to produce the best thing for the customer. And that strata, that was it. <laughs> so to have the machine go down, it was not just the electrics. They don't do this. These, this company doesn't do the electrics anymore. It's basically in the end, we had, if you want to talk about sports cars, we had a Porsche shell with a motor and then that was it. No wiring, no pedals. So we basically have to build this, rebuild this machine from ground back up. 
Mm. Which is why it's so expensive getting parts in, getting you know secondhand parts if we can. But you know, it's six thousand dollars when you know you're making thirty coffees a day is not gonna. <laughs> Doesn't really compute. <laughs> no. So, and that's how the GoFundMe page. John and I talked about you know what what we want. Um, you know where where we could head, who we could ask. You know, do, could we somehow come up with the money? Could Brewtech somehow wangle? But they've already been that fruitful with us on a loan machine. Um, and it was just recently I said to Jono, the company needs their money. What, what are we doing? And, um, and I, I thought, well, why don't we do a GoFundMe? Like even if we get a little bit of money off people, it's still just a little chunk out of what we're going to owe. And so, um, you know, my morals to kind of push that target over and ask people for that kind of help it's probably doesn't sit the best with me. But when I thought back of how many times I've been that person's go-to for their problems, their dramas, you know, they, they come in from home with, you know, life issues that I've been there for 12 years for them. I thought, you know what, I'm going to ask them for help now. Wow. And so we did. We launched it. Six, we needed 6-1, six, 6-2, six, I think it was. I can't remember the figure. I said to Jono, this is what I'm doing. Um, just be ready. We, we might want to call Craig and just say, start the machine. Because even if we have a little bit of the money there, um, we'll get it started. And Jono said to me on the Friday, once I launched it at lunchtime, he goes, we might just wait till we're halfway. And, and both me and him were thinking two, three, four weeks, you know, maybe to get to something. Um, and I said, so I agreed with him and said, okay. And then by Saturday morning, we're already halfway there. <laughs> oh, wow. So like within a day. Yeah, not even 12 hours. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so, it was pretty, yeah, it was pretty humbling. I mean, and how did you, how did you even let people know about it? <clears throat> um, I guess because we do, we, you know, I was only saying this to my daughter <clears throat> a couple of weeks back. Like, <clears throat> our coffee is well-known. We actually got called the goat of coffee <laughs> the, <laughs> the other day by one of the, um, by one of the donors. Um, wow. Greatest of all time. Yeah. So, you know, we're not just Melbourne known or Victoria known. We're, you know, we're, we're known throughout Australia. You know, people who come into state, they, you know, they find us. But we're also known from overseas, which is pretty cool. That's pretty amazing. So did you get donations from all around the place? Yeah, everywhere. Like there's people who I haven't seen for 10 years. Like one of, one of my friends, I've been, you know, Noosa, he's a triathlete and was in Thailand and he's back in Noosa now, but he donated. And I haven't seen Alex for you know, many years. So, yeah, it was pretty um, pretty crazy because I just went on our Facebook page and our Instagram page for the shop, which is obviously the Cup of Truth, and then I just posted on my own personal one because, you know, throughout my, you know, throughout my life I've met a lot of, a lot of, a lot of good people and some of the customers from the shop are also on my personal one. So they're the only kind of four platforms we put it on. Um, and, yeah, I just, yeah, the response was... It's just mind, it's mind, mind, mind blowing. I, I'm like speechless. Like, you know, I get caught up for words because I just wasn't expecting it. So you got halfway. Actually, in- that's a lie. I was expecting it, but just not like that. You got halfway in twelve hours. Where's it at now? Or where did it? Where did it proceed? Yeah, well, you know, I, I speak to my business partner quite a bit, John Owen. But I, he, over the weekend, I've never heard from him so much. I, me, me, I kind of saw this happening, you know, with the response from people and how, how, how beautiful they were to be able to help us out. Um, but 
like I'm speechless, but Jono, God, I've never seen him so emotional. Like it's phenomenal. So by the end of the weekend, we're, you know, 500 bucks off the target. So you're talking, you know, just under three days. And then Monday we hit the target um, of last week. Um, So we just, you know, I've I've messaged most of the donors where, you know, there's then people obviously heard about it at the shop who might've come in for one of their days because, you know, some people coming back once every two weeks, some people not there and went on there, some people there when Jono's there. And then they, some people hadn't heard about it. So, you know, Jono said, you can't take it down yet. There's other people wanted to donate. Next thing you know, we're at seven grand. Wow. You know, seven, four, like, yeah, it's phenomenal. So Courtney, you said you, you weren't really surprised. Why is that? Um, because our, 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 our customer loyalty, as I said, it's like an 85% return rate. And so uh, I, I, I don't expect anyone to donate. Some people are for it. Some people are against it. Some people, you know, have really good, secure paying jobs. Some people like me who don't. And every array of person has donated. And, you know, we've had some big ones. We've had $5 ones. But, you know, it's not so much the matter of the, matter of, um, the amount. It's more of you know, the amount of, you know, just the incredible people being able to help out a business that, you know, has helped them out, you know, like, you know, I had a guy years ago who was from Boston, one of the head lecturers of lecturers of neurosurgeons or liver surgeons or something. It was crazy. And his name was Bob and um, Bob just didn't want to lead. (laughs) He had a large coffee, just didn't want to lead because he wanted to see the latte art. <laughs> That's all he wanted. He, he said, "I just don't want to leave Courtney." Just and I found out that he was this lecturer of lecturer of lecturer, and he was designing a pill for um, a celiacs. So here I am helping a guy out every morning who just wants to see latte art, and he's producing something worldwide to help celiacs. Like that's that's so beautiful. It just, yeah, it just makes me feel so good about the world where you just think everybody just has to do their bit, right? Yeah, well, that's exactly right. You know, like, as I said, I wasn't, you know, like, I shouldn't say I wasn't expecting. I was expecting a little bit over a course of however long. But, you know, to have that many people come on board that quickly and just show how much they love us and what we've been able to do for them every morning or, you know, as Ashley said, you know, a bit of sass. People like that. People... You know, we're their first point of contact besides their household, generally. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if we can put a smile on someone's face with a great coffee and a bit of convo, you know, the the love in return has just been, as I said, over, just it's just overwhelming. Yeah, it's really, it, it sort of makes me think, like, you've had this this moment of adversity or this situation that you couldn't really handle yourselves, you needed to reach out, but it's really, in doing so, it's really shown you how much, you mean to people and how important what you do is it sort of makes me feel like wouldn't it be good if we could all realize those things without the adversity or yeah. do you somehow need need that trigger to trip you over into realizing something I don't know it just makes me think of you know like occasionally you hear about someone who knows they're going to die and they have a funeral while they're still alive that was, that was, that was that was that that was my mum Oh, are you serious? And she, yeah, and she had to, it was only a couple of years ago, and she had to choose when and, you know, and the beautiful person she was asked if Thursday suited everyone else. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, that, that's, ex- that's exactly how it is where you're kind of, you're in a bit of an up in the air and you need to make some decisions quick. 
And the decisions are never going to be wrong, but um, you're always going to reflect on them no matter what what you choose. So, you know, with, with the GoFundMe, it's, yeah, as I said, it's blown me away and John O away and, you know, have a paradigm shift of where you sit with people and then now where those people sit with you. So we're going to, anyone who's donated, we're going to engrave the machine once it comes back with their initials, um, which I think is a nice little little thing. So every time John and I, you know, pour a coffee in that machine, all those guys who've helped us out having this machine back will be on that machine. That is so beautiful. It's, yeah, I mean, that's that feeling's going to just always be there, hey? Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, every every time somebody comes in now and this coffee is being poured out of this machine that everyone got back for us because you know, I don't know what Ash had said to you, but he needs his coffee. <laughs> <laughs> he does not want us not to be serving him his coffee. So, you know, to be able to put that back on the bench and, you know, for John and I to do what we know, what we, you know, do what we do, it's, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Um, Courtney, what was your mum's event like? Did you call it a funeral or a wake or what did you call it? Um, it was really weird because, you know, um, yeah, she went into hospital and just didn't come out. So, um, over about five to six weeks, yeah, she just deteriorated and, you know, she had some heart complications and, you know, some other stuff that was going on behind the scenes. And yeah, it was, yeah, it was, ended up being a funeral, um, in the end. Um, she had a beautiful one. She was an absolute gorgeous soul and, yeah. Wow. Well, I'm sure she'd be incredibly proud of you, what you've what you've done and how you've sort of brought your community together um, through this, this period. Courtney, you're in the thick of it there in the CBD and Melbourne's obviously just, just it's <laughs> just, I don't even know what words to use, but oh, it's been, uh, I, I, you tell me because well, you're in the well, thick of it. Well, a few of the, a few of, as I said, a few of my mates and people I've known, ex-customers, you know, I had uh, a woman named Alana who donated as well. She's up in Sydney, messages us on our Instagram page once every fortnight saying, miss you guys, miss your coffee. It's not the same here in Aww. Sydney. And, um, you know, I, I asked her how things were with the lockdown recently. And she goes, oh, my God, I can't go anywhere. And I was just thinking, you guys are locked down for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, well, let's hope it's only two weeks. Yeah, you know, so, you know, for the, for the rest of the country who, you know, is now in this a horrible predicament that we'd been in for nearly, you know, seven months. Um, you know, I, I described the city like a zombie movie. <clears throat> it was, there were some people there and, and we're all on the same page, you know, essential workers, you know, hospitality, if they could open, like between my shop and Collins Street between, um, so what's that, Flinders Street Station, um, Flinders Street, through my arcade, DeGrave Street, Centreway, and the right-hand sides of DeGraves and Centreway, out of all the shops that there are open, four stayed open. Mm. So, you know, people couldn't afford their staff, you know, coming in, stock, like, you know, it, it's it was just absolutely eerie in the city during COVID. As I said, I've seen a lot of stuff in my lifetime, you know, but... But yeah, the COVID is something completely, completely different. Um, you know, the shop was getting a little bit better. John and I were, I shouldn't say getting back on top. Back on top's not the right word, but you know, finally, you know, being able to do some stuff. You know, if I, I went to 
pub with my mates, my mates would have to buy me the beers. <laughs> that was just how it was, you know. Mm. Um, so to be able to go back in and, and shout around, you know, was like nothing I'd, I'd done. So it was, it, it's, it, it, yeah, no, it was super tough, you know, to, to, to witness what we witnessed. What's your feeling like now? I mean, you've been buoyed by this this event that you've set in motion, but how are you feeling about the city generally? You know, like if you had to move, would you reopen in the CBD? Like nah, what, do, what nah, are you reckoning? Nah, there's no there's, – Jono and I have definitely talked about this. Like it, it's – I don't know. I've got friends who own bars. I've got friends who own restaurants, you know, um, Andreas – from Tipo Double O, you know, both me and him and John all worked at Voodamont together. Um, Andreas as well also donated. Thank you so much to him. Um, mm. You know, he's he's past restaurants, the best in Melbourne. It's phenomenal. So we all talk about this. We we're like we're talking a year at least. You know, where everyone feels because the roads are packed. People are driving because no one wants to catch public transport. And generally, if they come in to Flinders Street, it's generally tram to train or train to tram or train to train all going through the city. So people aren't coming back. There's, there's no such thing as mandatory workforce. There's, you know, it's voluntary. Come back if you want. We really kind of want you in. But if anyone feels uncomfortable, the, the companies aren't going to say you have to come. They're going to, you know, two days, three days a week. Hospitality in the CBD and retail um, yeah, hospitality and retail in the city, it's never going to recover because if people are only coming in two or three days a week, that's not covering rent. Mm. And like we, believe it or not, we have been super lucky, which I probably should have mentioned, we have been super lucky um, with actually the tunnel project buying us out because in that arcade, which might or might not go, there has been chats about boarding the site up because Metro doesn't want to congest the ex other exits. Metro Tunnel froze our rent. <clears throat> so we, we were one of the lucky ones where I talked to a friend of mine at Seedling, Georgia. Me and her were like thick as thieves together. Like, let's get through this. Her innovation to change her business model, um, you know, saved her business. And she's going really well. Other people, not so much innovation. Some people over it. Keys getting handed in. Landlords not being, you know... Um, because they've also got bills. Like it's, mm. it was it, the domino effect of what is happening in the CBD and trying to get the dominoes to stand back up with them out falling again is like, um, I would say, at least a year to two years away. Yeah, it's really hard to th think about holding out if your business is well below par, well below break even for that period of time. You'd, yeah, you'd really want to have a huge long-term plan, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and, and in Hospo, you know, you, you don't you don't have that plan. Like small batch coffee roasters have, have been trying to open up their city store now for a year. Like, you know, they can't. You know, where are they getting the staff? Where are they getting the stock? Money for the rest of the fit-outs. Like, it's it's the stuff that, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it's unfathomable to try and get your head wrapped around the absolute destruction of what's happened to CBD life. Like, you know, who who now is coming? Like, you know, people in Chadston, they're there and Southland, I've seen it. You know, there are people coming back to the city, but as soon as they can leave, they will. I think nighttime's not too bad, at least on the <laughs> yes. weekends. Yeah, some of the nights are good because, they're you know, people can travel now and it becomes that, like, that middle place point. Yeah. All right, I live in Port, Jono lives out west, you know, all right, let's meet in the city for a drink, you know, yeah. or, or whatever. But that Monday to Friday trade between... 
you know, like we used to be, we used to open at six, close at three. Yeah, the, that 12 to three was a little bit quiet. You know, like I'd be lucky to see, you know, half a dozen to a dozen people up to seven o'clock now. Gosh. Like, you know, and those guys there, I'm only opening because they're my regulars. <laughs> you know, Michael Crawford, who donated, he's there at 6.35 every morning. Therefore, I'm there at 6.30 to make sure I serve him. A couple of the tradies who come in, I'm there for them. But I will never have to open up at 6 or stay open at 3 ever again. Or any or any shop, technically, you know. <laughs> mm. So it's pretty, um, yeah, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty, it, it, yeah, the, the, it's a bit eerie with, when, with the unknowns of the CBD, unfortunately. Yeah, well, Courtney, um, I'm thrilled that you've had this really boying situation where you, yeah, I just, I can't wait to see the coffee machine with, you know, fixed, rebuilt with all the initials engraved upon it. I think that's, it's so incredibly special to me. It's, um, it's a beautiful Melbourne story. It's a beautiful hospitality story, but yeah, it is, I guess, there is this tinge of uncertainty and sadness around it as well because of the period that, you know, drove you to need to do this. Um, I guess we don't exactly know how things are going to unfold, but um, I hope there are some many more cups of truth for you guys. And, yeah, thanks for doing what you're doing and thanks for being there for Melbourne. No problem. Thanks for having me on today. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.